0: Romans chapter 9, verse 1 to 5. Amen. How many are looking forward to all nations next week? Amen. Praise the Lord. I think it's going to be a wonderful time with all different uh, cultural attire. uh, It's always so colorful to see uh, the brethren dress up in that. So make sure you wear something from your attire. Uh, I asked Brother Brother Hackathon, Brother Greg, what he was going to wear. He just said, ah. From the united states just gonna wear a tie i said well why don't you put on a cowboy outfit i don't know we're native american it wouldn't be a cultural appropriation the one time the year brother wilmot brother finn are going to be wearing football jerseys in church amen it's going to be exciting we're looking forward to that romans 9 and 1 and verse 1 to verse 5 i say the truth in christ i lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart for I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren my kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants And the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came who is over all God bless forever amen amen he says I have great heaviness continual sorrow in my heart bearing witness of the Holy Spirit and then he says this quite remarkable statement. He says that I wish I could, for I wish, for I, if I could wish, rather, that I myself were accursed for Christ. I want to continue what I was ministering on last week. And I want to talk to you on the burden of the Spirit. The burden of the Spirit. If you would join with me in prayer one more time. Once again, I want to ask if you would pray for Brother Andrew McPherson, who's in hospital. Pray for the Anderson family that are all unwell. Let's lift up our voices and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you would touch your sermon, touch your people today, Lord God, right now, that are sick, not in the house of God, Lord God, but we know you are our healer. We know that you by your promise will heal as we ask and we seek and we knock that you would open that door of the supernatural and bring about a healing virtue to flow in the lives of your servants, Lord God, right now. Brother Andrew, the Andersons, we think of Sister Catherine, others, Lord God, that are struggling. We ask you to heal right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, for your word, we ask you to speak to our hearts, open our minds to receive, Let nothing distract us, Lord God, but let us receive your promise today as you anoint your servant and your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time? Give them thanks and praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I will try my very best to be short today. Amen. But not before I share to you what the Lord has, has given me to speak to this church this morning, this midday. It is no great mystery that we are living in a time of what is called expressive individualism. Where God is no longer the, God, the ground of truth and his word is no longer the authority. It has been for some time in this world that uh, Bible believing or believing in the Bible is old-fashioned, considered old-fashioned, superstitious, or believing in fairy tales. A religion, a Christianity that dominated society for a long period of time, the broad society to where it is today with light and enlightenment and truth and freedom, that Christianity has been replaced by secularism, where only science and the media are the purveyors of truth. Some have replaced God with the state, whatever the state, the government is telling us. That's, that's truth. Communism, for example, uh, that, that has been around for now over 100 years, preferred the working class as the new deity. It's about the masses. They are the gods of this world. Fascism declared that we, you are nothing. The people is everything. And today, now that is being replaced by the solitary, naked individual who has become the supreme authority in the Western world. And this pervasive faith has unleashed the mindset which we call expressive individualism. This is that that idea that you follow your heart, believe in yourself, trust in your own instincts kind of gospel. It is the unnoticed faith of many today where you create your own identity and Nobody has the right to tell you what to do. You are free to be whoever and whatever pleases you. All other gods, whether it be Jesus or even the nations or elites, the working class or the media, must yield to the cravings of the sovereign individual. And there are some, like author Mark, uh, an uh, author and teacher by the name of Mark Rokes. Uh, He was telling a story of how he was in class in school and one of the teachers, uh, an English teacher, began to deliver a passionate, expressive individualist sermon to the entire school. She implored everybody to follow their hearts. How many ever heard that? And the staff and the students were intoxicated by her message, he said. He said they lapped it up and... And he said, I couldn't resist asking the teacher a subversive question. He said, How would you feel if the young Adolf Hitler had been listening to your assembly? He said, Her face went white. Perhaps the most powerful illustration of the, the impact of this sense of individualism, of that you are the one in charge, that you are the final authority is a a young man named Dave in sixth form in school in England, in in Essex, England, who argued passionately in a religious education class, mind you, that Genghis Khan, who invaded the known world at the time, killed millions, hundreds of thousands, that he was simply being true to himself. He thought mass murder was fine. This young man thought that mass murder is fine. He strongly disapproved of... The Tahitian Christian king, Pomeré, who stopped his massacres after his conversion to, Christian, to the Christian faith. According to this young man, Pomeré was living an inauthentic life, and he wasn't being true to himself. Because he changed his ways. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, that this is the same lie that was perpetrated by Satan from the very beginning when he was in the Garden of Eden discussing with, with Eve about this whole idea of the tree, and he said to them, he said those words to them. He said, you, don't you know if you eat of the tree, of the, of the, the tree of the, or the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He said, you shall be as gods. And somehow putting the question in the mind of Adam uh, of Eve, uh, the, whether God was really interested or whether he was really wanting to have them understand the truth. But it was lying to them that they could be, as it were, their own gods. Amen. But if it is not right, and the Bible, brothers and sisters, is true, then I want you to know that one of the biggest lies that the enemy is still telling today is that you can be your own God. That you the authority, that you are the ultimate authority of your life, that you are the ultimate authority of all that goes on. He wants you to think that whatever you think is right in your own heart, whatever you want to do is right in your own heart. That's what he'd like you to think. But I want to remind you that there is a God who is the final authority who will? the Bible says he will judge the quick and the dead. Hallelujah. Don't believe the lie, brothers and sisters. And that's what the world would have us to think, that you're missing out on all of the enjoyments of life. You're missing out on the enjoyments of the world, that you can do whatever you want to do, and in the end it's going to be okay. No, I'm afraid. I'm telling you now, that's a lie from the devil. There is a God that you must serve, that the Bible says every knee shall bow to and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all and if you give your life to God if you submit to the authority of the king of kings of the one true living God I want you to know that that's not misery, that's not depression or emptiness but I submit to you it is life because he promised already in his word that the devil has come to steal to kill and destroy but I've come to give life and I've come to give it more abundantly when you submit to God when he becomes your Lord, and you bow your knee before Him, it is not bondage, it is not misery, but it's freedom. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. And I'm preaching this today. I'm not preaching to just unbelievers, but I'm preaching to the Christian because even in Christianity, we can have the same views and ideas that somehow I'll live however I want to live. God's going to be okay with that. I'll do whatever I want to do, and and God's fine with that because I'm simply living by grace. No, you've got to submit to his will. You've got to follow his word. You've got to be obedient. Oh, hallelujah, the devil would like you to think, yeah, you can go to church. You can put a little money in the bucket and you'll be all right. You don't have to live like that. You don't, live like, you don't have to live holy. You can just have a little bit of church and do whatever you want to do. No, I've come to blow that lie right out of the water. You've got to follow his word. You've got to walk in his word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Submission to God. It is not bondage. It is not unhappiness. That that's the problem sometimes about social media. And I I know, oh, here we go again. Another pastor talking about social media. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes that so we get a little FOMO because we look at we think that other people got it better than us, and, and here we are. Gotta go to church and I gotta pray in the morning. I gotta open up my Bible and, and I gotta do these things in order uh, for me to be able to walk with God. Listen to me. They're not having freedom. They're ser- they're searching for what you and I have, they're not having an enjoyment. They are looking. That's why they're all over social media. That's why they're trying to earn as much money as they can because they're trying to fill a gap. They're trying to fill a hole in their soul that only Jesus can fulfill. I want you to know we've got to stand in submission to the one God, to the King of all kings, to the Lord of all lords. Hallelujah. Amen. When I, when I was pre- preparing this message, today, I said, oh, they're not going to like this. This is not one of those shouting messages. But remember what I talked about last week when Jesus said, he said, don't say there are four months and then the harvest comes. Because we like to say that. Oh, I'm going to go to the harvest field. But I got four months to go. Someday. Oh, I'll just pray about the lost. No, he didn't say to pray for the lost. He said the lost is already ready. It's white, it says. Doesn't mean the loss is Caucasian. It means when you look at the harvest field, regardless of what nationality, it means that when the, the wheat is ready to be plucked and to be reaped, there's a, there's a glistening whiteness in the fields. It looks white. And what Jesus is saying, He said that they are already ready. That was 2,000 years ago, folks. Amen. And so he tells them, don't say there are four months, and then it comes the harvest, but you've got to go now, and you've got to pray. Here's what we have to pray for. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth. And remember, again, I, I've been saying this the last couple of Sundays, a couple of weeks, that, that, that when he said send forth, the word send forth in the Greek is ekbalo, which means to eject. Amen. To, to push out from where they are. You know, like like that that fighter pilot in the jet plane, and he gets shot and he's still surviving. So he pulls that eject lever, and that that the, the canopy opens up where he's sitting, and he gets ejected out of that plane so he can live. That's what he's talking about. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would eject that he would remove and kick us out of our comfort zones, our seat of a comfortability, our seats of fear, whatever that seat is that's holding you back. You've got to remove the seat belt and let God eject you out of your comforts, out of that which you're sti- staying in there, what's keeping you bound, your fear, your all kinds of attitudes. Let God eject you. Let's pray, God, get me out of this comfort so that I can reach a lost world. Hey Amen. I've got, I've got 20 minutes on my clock. I told Brother Greg I'm going to do 30 minutes. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be kind to these people today. I got 10 minutes. But here in the text that we read, Paul is saying in Romans chapter 9 a very remarkable statement. He says, I, I'm not lying to you, he says. I bear witness in my spirit by the Holy Ghost. Something in me that, that is just moving me, some, some heaviness that's upon me. And, and we call that in the church a burden. A burden is something that you got to carry that is weighty upon you. And, and we talked about burdens for, for ever since I've been in the church. I've heard about a burden. But here Paul is talking about this heaviness, this burden that was weighing so heavily upon his heart that he said, if I could, basically what he's saying is, if, if I could, and he understand that he couldn't take other people's place, that he couldn't go to hell and be a curse from Christ instead of his people, his brethren. You can't, you can't be saved for somebody else. Or you, you can't save somebody else necessarily. Or, or somebody's not going to get saved for you. I heard a celebrity one time talk in his interview. He said, you know, when all this is through, you know, I, you know I'm going to be okay. I'm going to go to heaven because I got a mama that prays. Amen. Well, let me tell you, just because your mama prays doesn't mean you get to heaven by default just because you got you know somebody who's a born-again believer just because you know you got family members in the church it doesn't mean that you are saved by default you've got to make up your own mind you've got to decide for yourself that you've got to live for God nobody can save for you no nobody can can be saved on your behalf you've got to decide for yourself and I've come to tell somebody whoever you are that today is the day of salvation your wife might be born again but listen if you are not baptized in Jesus name and not filled with the holy ghost and live it for God you're not going to go to heaven Oh, hallelujah. But I've got some good news for you today. That today, if you simply decide, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to be obedient to his word, I'm going to give my life in repentance and submit my life to Jesus, I'm telling you, there's a heaven that awaits us, there's a glory. Oh, yes. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I've come to remind you we've got something awesome waiting for us. No matter how hard life gets here on earth, regardless of whether you got money to pay the bills or not, God is on your side. And when all of this is over, we're going to be in heaven. Hallelujah. Paul understood that he couldn't take their place for them he says I I could he said if I could that that's basically the interpretation of this verse because he he, his theology is strong he said for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ I I don't know about you but I, I don't want anything to stop me from getting to heaven that's the spirit and the determination we've got to have. No matter what it takes, we've got to get there. Regardless of whether you get that promotion in the job or not, whether you get your dream house or not, regardless of what circumstances are in your life, you've got to determine you're going to make it to heaven. Simply because the alternative is, is something that we, is unimaginable. Jesus called it a place where there is eternal torment. There's a wailing and gnashing of teeth. There's no quenching from the fire that burns continually. That the worm that doesn't die, that eats up that your body. He says it's a place that it's a place that you wouldn't even want your worst enemy to go. And he says if I could, because he had such a burden, he had such a love for his people, for Israel, that he even wrote through these words. To say, I'm ready if I could. But he knew he couldn't to take their place. Such was the burden of this man. And I submit to you today, brothers and sisters, one thing when God fills us with his Holy Spirit, when he fills us with his truth, and the Spirit of God is dwelling in us, there there is a heaviness that will come upon us. It is the burden of the Spirit of God that will bear witness with your spirit. That when you really walk with God, that when you're really walking in the Spirit, there is a burden that will consume you on the inside. It is so heavy that it will cause you to even consider, God, I, I I know I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go there without my family. I, I, I know heaven is going to be awesome. It's, it's beyond words. It's beyond my finite mind can even comprehend here on earth. I can't even imagine the glory and the ecstasy and the bliss that that's going to be like when we get up there, when you close your eyes for the last time on this earth and you open it and you're looking at Jesus in the face. Oh, there's nothing that can compared to that and I for one don't want to miss that no matter what what stage in life I'm gonna get there no matter what it takes I'm gonna hold on to God but I don't want to go there without my people without my family without my children because what what kind of heaven would it be without them I don't know what it's going to be like, Pastor Pye, whether God's going to take away all of our memories of of the painful years of life. I don't know. And I know perhaps maybe we haven't even thought about heaven at all once this week, and that's okay. I'm preaching to myself. Don't you worry. I have no idea. But one thing I do know is I look around this room, and I would hate for anybody to miss out on heaven-going you got to this is something you got to know about God. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith, but remember what James says: a faith without works is dead. We're saved by grace, but but Peter also said that that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all would come to repentance. That means that's something that you and I have got to do. That means that even though God is full of love and mercy, He He will not violate free will. He will not force us. He's a gentleman. It's up to you. Amen. Whether you're going to live for God or not. But with a simple decision here today. Young people, whatever you got to do, God has a burden in our spirits, of our hearts, the hearts of your parents, of your leaders, of this pastor. To do whatever you can to get a hold of God the burden of the Spirit of God it is the product of the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit in our lives I know this is I'm coming to that spot right now where I know this is not this is going to be heavy I'm not beating up on anybody please don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying but when you are walking in the Spirit Not only does he produce the fruit of the Spirit, but he puts a burden in our hearts for us to go out from beyond, beyond our comforts, to go and reach somebody, to tell someone, to start a conversation. Yeah, I know we're living in a time where people don't want to hear it. Oh, you're one of those religious nuts, and they'll say all kinds of stuff to us and we're living in a generation in the world where we're seen as, as one of those uh, crazy people, religious folks, and, and, and they don't want to hear what we have to say. But listen to me. When you've got a burden from the Spirit of God, you've got a burden for souls, for the lost. It's going to cause you to stand. But when the burden is there, it, you're not going to be afraid. When the burden is there, you're going to be able to stand even in the face of mockery and scoffing. And they make, make fun of you. They may laugh at you. But when you've got a burden for the lost, you're, you're able to stand. And listen to me. When you're able to stand in this generation, this world is looking for you. And there's somebody out there looking and saying, wow, this person's got something that's real. They're standing up for what's right. They're standing up for what they believe. I couldn't get away from these. I know I'm preaching almost the same message as I preached last week, but God wouldn't release this from me today. A burden that's so heavy, when, you got, when you're carrying a burden, it's going to make you walk differently. You, you try to put on a backpack with 40 kilos on that or something like that, you're going to walk a little different. Here, here's what Jesus said. He said, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is a light. What burden is he talking about? He says two chapters later in the same book of Matthew, chapter 13, he says, says, if you follow after me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself and follow me. Well, I'm glad I got a few amens here today because we're we're living in an age of christianity it's all about health wealth and, and well-being and all of that about how much money you can make if you serve the lord you put some money in the bucket hey you're going to be blessed and and you're going to climb the corporate ladder and you're going to have your dreams because he's a blesser he wants to yes he does bless thank god for every good and perfect gift that he's given to us but let me remind you what he said he said you've got to take up your cross that's not something you just wear around your neck or around your ear, a, a cross, he says, a real cross. It's something heavy. Yes. Hallelujah. It, it's a heavy burden. And what's a cross? A cross is a beam that the Romans, this, this implement that the Romans had invented to, to torture their enemies, to torture all those who come. And we know that the Lord Jesus had to carry his cross And was nailed to it. He says, well, I'm not saying that we got to carry, you got some beams out there. You got to go pick up on your way home. But if I could find a scale model to a cross, it would simply be a person. Come here, brother. He says, take up your cross and follow him. That means... You got to carry somebody who hasn't, doesn't have the legs by which to stand and to walk. So when you've got a burden of the Lord, when the Spirit of God has moved upon your heart, there is a burden for somebody, for a lost soul, for somebody who doesn't know Christ, somebody who doesn't know how to pray, somebody who doesn't know what the gospel is. We've got to go to this world. He said, "Go make disciples." That means we've got to go out into the world and make a a student out of them, a disciple, say, hey, man, you've got to follow me. Why? Because you're, you're going to go to hell if you don't follow Jesus. You've got to walk with me. He's got a life for you. He's got a blessing for you. And when you're carrying your burden, you're carrying your brother and your sister, it's going to cause you to walk differently. When you've got a burden of the Spirit of God, it's going to cause you to be different in your life. I want you to know today the burden of God's Spirit is to bear one another's burdens hallelujah thank you EJ I've got to stop musicians if you like to come I've got so much more more notes but I know time has gone away from us in John chapter 10 we read from last week Jesus said the, said the, the, the harvest is already And then the Bible says, in those verses after that, why don't you get that for us, please. John chapter 10, verse 39. John chapter 4, rather. Told you I wasn't good at maths. Go to verse 38. The Bible tells us in John chapter 4 that he must need it to go to Samaria. And then when his disciples came to Jesus and said, you know, you haven't eaten anything. You need to see, eat something. Jesus said, he said, my meat, my food is to do the will of him. He says, that's my food. The very fundamental level of our human need is food. He says, this is what drives me is to do the will of God to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Friend, if you've not found your purpose in life, then you are not really living. Your purpose in life is what you will give your life for. This is what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, if a man has not found a reason for which to to die for, he's not fit to live. If you have no purpose, you're simply wandering around in circles. But when you come to know Jesus and he fills you with his spirit and he gives you the burden of his spirit, what, he, he's not so much concerned about our comforts. He's not so much concerned about whether, whether you get to sing a special or whether you get to preach over there. He, his concern is lost souls. And he hasn't placed it in the hands of angels, but you and I become the angels. An angel is simply a messenger. We become a messenger to this world. You may be able to reach somebody at work that I won't be able to reach them. You'll be able to reach a neighbor that, that others won't that have never met them before. We hold a position when God anoints you, He anoints you to bear a burden that will cause us to come out of our comforts, things that we find so awkward. Say, well, I don't know, I'm an introvert, you know, and I don't know how to talk to somebody. If you don't know what to say, and yet the burden is so heavy, you simply just go to them. Say, can I give you something? Bless them. And I'm not saying we, we got to use all kinds of methods to reach people. I'm, I'm not saying, like you, we go to Fiji, we preach on the streets and you'll have a little congregation there. It's amazing. It's people stop. We, we we had an outreach in Nandi and we had four people get the Holy Ghost on the street, on the footpath. Yes. You do that in Beamer Street, well they walk on the other side of the road. Different strokes for different. But when you've got a burden, you find a way. And then verse, verse 38 of chapter four, the word of God tells us, I sent you to reap for which you have not labored, others have labored and you have entered into their labors. I've sent you to be a laborer in his vineyard for you to reap their souls there. And every single one of us has a role to play teaching a Bible study, inviting him to church. Oh, I taught this last Wednesday. You should have been here. We had a good lesson. And here's what happened, verse number 39. Remember the Samaritan woman he talked to at the well? He says, I've got waters that, that you, you know, you don't know of that you'll never be thirsty again. And the Bible says in verse 39, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of of the woman who testified and she said he told me all that I ever did because of one woman who was perhaps looked down upon in society you know that's why she came in the middle of the day when nobody else was getting water she's had five husbands you know that kind of reputation oh but she had an encounter with Jesus and all she said was this guy told me about things I never knew And all the things that I did. How did he know that? Well, he just looked it up on your Facebook. He saw. He saw what you were up to. By simply her testifying of what Jesus said to her, the entire city of Samaria, the city believed in him. Verse number 40. So when the When the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. In verse 41, it says, And many more believed because of his own word. One woman's testimony. A woman perhaps that was not, didn't have a high social status in that community, yet because she testified of what Jesus said to her, the entire city came. Listen, I'm not calling you to preach to this world. The Bible doesn't say to share your hope, to share your faith. It's just, it just says to share your hope, the hope that is within you. This is, I'm going back to our theme for the year a city on a hill. The church is a city on a hill, and you are a part of that light. This message may just be for the church, but I'm challenging you, I'm calling you. To go and testify everywhere you go tell them what jesus did for you tell them how he changed your life stand put it on social media let the world know there's so much negativity out there but let the world know that there is still hope the hope that is within us hallelujah would you stand thank you jesus When you allow the Spirit of God, when a person is born again of the Holy Spirit, the evidence, the Bible says, there's a sign that happens they begin to speak with other tongues. They speak a language that they don't understand. But the Spirit is given not for us just to enjoy to ourselves, but when you yield yourself to the Spirit of God, it will propel us, it will eject us because the burden is so heavy for lost souls I know some of you have come in here with your problems you've had a tough week maybe it's been a tough couple of months tough year for some of us I know that but God is saying I I know about that I haven't forgotten you but here's what I'm concerned about I'm concerned about you going to eternity and I'm concerned about your world slipping away into eternal darkness Every second, every second, somebody slipping away into eternal darkness in this world. Say, "Oh, Pastor, don't give me that guilt trip again." Yes, I'm giving you a guilt trip. Because that's the I, not, it's not a guilt of condemnation; it's a guilt of conviction. The Bible gives to us, the Spirit of the Lord gives to us, and fills our hearts with conviction. With the burden for lost people. And I know we have issues that we got to work through, but I am convinced, I am persuaded here today that when you follow God's burden, when you seek to submit to the burden of the Spirit of God, I believe God begins to help us with our issues and problems. I believe God begins to work in us. I'm convinced no matter how shy you are, you can make a disciple. You can teach a Bible study. You can invite somebody to church. You don't have to preach to them. Let me preach to them. Let the preachers, let the song service, let, it, let the presence of God minister. To All you gotta do is invite them to the house of God. And we gotta arrange, rearrange our lives to help people, to go and teach a Bible study, to go and pick them up, to go and spend time with them, pray with them, support them, show them the love of Jesus not so that we can fill up this church not so that we can build bigger churches so that everywhere men and women are going to be saved this church will not be big enough we don't we have a church in every suburb it still won't be big enough god wants to reach this lost world and he wants to use you if you will allow his spirit to put a burden in your heart paul said i witness in my spirit of the spirit this heaviness, this this weight, this burden. Hallelujah. Would you lift your voice to the Lord right now in Jesus' name? Precious Lord. Father, we thank you for this continual sorrow, not the sorrow of the world, but godly sorrow in our hearts for lost people, for those who don't know you, for those who are on their way to a devil's hell. God, let it consume us from the inside. Let it eat us up from the inside. Let us be available for you. Let your spirit fill us with what burdens your heart. Let our heart break for what breaks yours. Let our spirits be weighed so heavily in sorrow for the real condition of this world, for the reality of of eternity that awaits all mankind. God, give us a burden today. I've got to stop, but I believe God wants to fill us again with his Holy Spirit, which in turn will produce a burden so heavy, it will move us, it will change us, that we will be renewed, we will become a new creature. If that's your desire today, perhaps you say you're, you're fearful and you don't know what to say, but you want to make yourself available, come to this altar and say, God, give to me that empowerment. He said, Behold, I will give you power. He said that you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. Hallelujah. Perhaps you've not received this wonderful gift of God's forgiveness of his Holy Spirit to dwell in you. He can give it to you today. We've already had somebody receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the first time. Or maybe you've had the Holy Ghost for many years, but yet the burden is missing. That weight, that concern, that conviction, that godly sorrow is absent. Today, why don't you ask the Lord once again, remove every hindrance, every barrier, every obstacle from allowing his burden to be weighed in your heart. Jesus said, my burden is easy, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's not too heavy like the burden of sin, like the burden of the world that will destroy you. No, it's a burden that's heavy, but yet it's not too heavy. But you cannot walk in the newness of life. Oh, this altar is open. If you've never bowed your knee before Jesus, I want to challenge you today. I'm, I'm imploring you. I'm pleading with you today that now is the time. Don't delay, but give your life to the Lord and he'll love you and he'll pour out his love and his grace, his joy over your life. Hallelujah. Oh, thanks be to God, wherever you are all over this building. Why don't you open your heart to the burden of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, I feel God is moving in this house. If you're willing to avail yourself to Him, those concerns that you had before, those thoughts that have preoccupied your your heart, that have dominated your emotions, he's, He's gonna remove that as He replaces it he fills it with the burden the burden of his holy spirit this altar is open